Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast powered by Dakota Lithium. Dakota Lithium makes the products that we use to stay charged up when we're out on the road traveling to hunt. We used to always depend on finding a campsite that had power, but now we have a lot more flexibility when choosing a place to camp because we have power at all times. Helps us stay more mobile, which helps the hunting strategy, but also is just a little bit easier to plan hunts when you don't have to depend on electricity when you're picking a campsite. So if you want to check out Dakota Lithium's products, you can check the link in the description of this podcast. That'll take you over to their website and you can see what they have to offer. In this episode, Ben, Keith, and I are going to be talking with our friend Josh Elderton of The Untamed about learning from your mistakes when hunting. The three of us went down there to visit him a couple weeks ago and we started this podcast with mistakes in mind, but then Ultimately, we ended up talking about a bunch of different things. We told stories of good and bad, and hopefully, as you're listening to this, you can apply some of the things that we've learned to your hunting strategy as well. Before we get started, though, I wanted to remind you guys that we partnered with Bear Archery to create the Bear Adapt Plus Ready to Hunt Package. Last year, we came out with the regular Adapt, and you can still get that on the Bear website, but this year, we came out with a Ready to Hunt version as well. And what's cool about that ready to hunt version is it's customized to have the accessories that we like on the bow when you buy it. It comes with a hot wire sight, which is a sight that a lot of us have used over the years. It's one of our favorite ones that Trophy Ridge has. It also has a five spot quiver, a V biscuit rest, a peep sight, D loop, wrist sling, and a Hitman stabilizer. So it's definitely an upgrade compared to the other ready to hunt packages that are available. I think that's pretty cool. We're excited to offer something new and unique to the consumer if they want to buy that ready to hunt package. And like I said, if you want to buy the Adapt as just a bare bow, you can also do that on the Bear Archery website. Also, if you want to save 10% off of all bear equipment, not just the Adapt or the Adapt Plus package, you can use the code THP10 at checkout. And finally, we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild is a free social community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. And while you're on the Go Wild store, if you want to save an additional 10% at checkout, you can use the code THP. All you got to do is visit downloadgowild.com to get started. All right, guys, let's get to the episode and talk with Josh. Yep, that's those. <laughs> oh, the smell is what you're alluding to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's those. Yeah, it's been pretty hot this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. So... Brian's got one cell camera, and for the last couple seasons, he's kind of been basing his entire strategy of not going on the <laughs> fact of there's not been a good one on the camera. <laughs> and it's funny, what we're making fun of him for is Ben and I went walking back there, and ben, I hadn't been on their parents' property in, I don't know, a couple of years probably, but you know we spent a ton of time back there when we were younger, and we see three nice bucks in a bachelor group in the back corner and when i told brian about it he goes really 
they haven't been on the camera. The one single <laughs> Which camera. Which is funny because these guys have been telling me that he says that a lot, and it's just funny to experience it myself. Oh, so. yeah. Brian. That's a topic in itself. Yeah. Talking so. about how cameras change affect, the way you hunt. affect you mentally on your decisions to yeah. go hunt or not. I feel that it's something that I keep talking with my buddies about, and Dylan Hazen specifically. And I was just starting to tell Alex this last night, and I kind of got sidetracked, believe it or not. And we started, talking about <laughs> 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 we started talking about something else, but Dylan and I were talking about it, and I don't know, this is all opinion. Yeah, oh this yeah. Is my opinion. Yeah. Versus his. And he, he, likes to, he likes to egg it on, you know, which I think is funny. So he says, I don't use them for strategy. I just use it for inventory. And I said, but Dylan ultimately the inventory of where there's a buck that you want to hunt is changing your strategy <laughs> and he's like no and i'm like yeah think about it Absolutely. it's like you're going into a different location yeah. so like that argument doesn't it's just it doesn't work for me like you're still putting some amount of weight on what you do on that camera no matter what your like theory is on it you know if you're just using it to get an idea of what's in the area that's still affecting you, even if you're not hunting right over the camera. It's I think scouting. that's, a, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of, it's a lot of it's what, intel. Yeah, that it, you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But it's still, it's still info that you're mm-hmm. using. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think that's it's a just, funny argument. I just listen. I think it's funny. Guys saying, "I'm not going to hunt this weekend. I ain't got nothing on camera." Yeah. It's like I could be running thirty cameras and not get any pictures of deer. You're still going hunting. I'm still going hunting <laughs> because it's going to increase my odds. We've talked yeah. about we've talked about the opportunity odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to increase my odds the more time I'm in the woods. I don't care if the cameras are telling me they're deer there or not because I know they're there. Yeah, they're there yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and yeah, they may not be right in front of your camera, but they're they're out there. And I I just I don't know. I feel that personally, my thing with trail cameras is is they're not helping my me reach my goal of becoming a better woodsman you know so that's my choice is to not use them and i feel like ultimately that's the 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 number one reason why i don't use them and i just feel like because of that i feel like i'm getting more out of the experience i'm learning more ultimately because i'm not using them but yeah i i'm I don't have any problem with anybody's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because hey, I, I mean, I, I like them. I like just getting the pictures of all the uh-huh. animals you get, you know, here yeah. the bobcats and everything. Well, and, but, that's, and the hogs. and You know, that's what we like about you. We were, we were talking with uh, Ben's girlfriend last night. She's like, so what are you guys doing? I'm like, hanging out, man. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, so, so who is this guy? He's like, well, there's a lot to say about him. <laughs> but at the end of the day... He's just a good dude. He'll get along with anybody, and that's what's awesome about it. Because you ain't gonna care too much about anybody's opinion. That's cool. Yeah, but, I, I got my own house to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess talking on mistakes, I feel like, is what we were talking about, and ultimately that comes with a lot of good stories. And I just always like hearing stories, telling stories, sharing stories of just things that happen but learning from mistakes i feel is just a good topic to talk about and i can't i mean i i know that you've hardly ever made a single mistake and you guys as well but <laughs> yeah that's I've, why we're all here actually yeah we've never made a single mistake <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> I th- I make mistakes every time I go out. Oh yeah. And but I learn from them. That, that's what you have to. A lot of people will get mental blocks and they'll mm-hmm. go all to hell and yeah, quit hunting for that day or whatever. And it's it's easy in the moment. I feel like to get pissed off and throw a little mini fit, but you got to reel that back in. And you know, when I look back on like the last couple of years, I feel that while there's been some highlights in the seasons, there's also been some mistakes that you know cost big time and. I mean, feel like I've been on a little bit of a run like that, and I just value them now. But in the moment, they can be frustrating. But it's like every time you make those mistakes and get that experience under your belt, you you learn. Actually, I was thinking a bit ago you were telling that story where you didn't range. Yeah. Here's one for you guys. Here's a, just a stupid mistake, and everybody take something away from this one. So we were out there hog hunting in uh, Texas last this couple, trip? Yep, couple weeks yeah. ago or whatever, and we get down to the to the spot, and I'm helping Thomas, who's Troy's son, get set up with the camera and on the tripod and everything. And we're kind of talking about, you know, the setup and if we got enough cover. And I'm worried about all these other things. I set up and I never range the feeder like like what a dumbass like why would you not range the spot that they're for sure coming to <laughs> got my rangefinder right here all it takes is that one time you know and i got it well in the past when i've hunted there everything's like 20 or in generally speaking like a lot of times you'll range it and it's like 17 mm-hmm. 14 whatever you're getting really close shots so i think while i knew i should range it I just let it slip. My mind got caught up in all the other things, and the hog showed up pretty quick. Still never ranged it. Never even considered it a single time. And I'm worried about getting cameras on and all these other things, and uh hog gets up there. I heard something. You can take We can pause. Make sure there's not an intruder. <laughs> hey, man. Ain't no rules. There's no rules in this, believe it or not. Just I keep like that no a, rules in keep, life. <laughs> Keith, Keith and I have the like complete control, and we say no rules. Okay. <laughs> so, 17, 20 yards. Yeah, well, hog shows up, and I'm not ready because I haven't ranged it, and my cameras are all off, so I'm like trying to click on GoPros and all that shit, and I'm like, well... I can make this shot. He's 20 yards for sure. Draw back. And the other thing that I had done is switched to a heavier arrow. And while I had sighted that in, at that distance, that drop was more significant than what I thought because the shot was like 26. Mm-hmm. So from when I shot him at 20 and he was actually 26, I shot low and I aimed low, which is what you're supposed to do with those hogs, yeah, especially. Because they're real. Real, like, skittish. They duck in their... Uh, vitals are more forward and low than a deer as well like their lungs just don't go way up into the center of the body as much as a white tails or even more you know extreme like an elk it has a lot of lung there but these hogs it's all forward and low and it's behind that shoulder that front shoulder armor yep and i just put it put it right where i should 
and he ducked, but that arrow was sinking so much in that last five or whatever yards that I, I barely nicked him low. And it's like, dude, you're in a freaking setup where everything's <laughs> set up for you and you don't range. I mean, that's the type <laughs> of mistakes where you've learned it, you know it, but you want a really good reminder going into the deer season, like elk season, whatever. Like, that's a good reminder. Oh, Make yeah. Make sure you range your spots. Oh, yeah. It's just one of those things that happens, and you learn from it. I want to know what you learned from your mistake in Ohio. Which which one? The, okay, the one that... God, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's <laughs> an easy. We just cut, easy we just cut easy. that. Oh, we're going to cut Jesus, go Joseph and Mary. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, eh. It doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, hey. yeah. No, you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that gar hole. <laughs> yeah. We'll send people <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> the, one with, the one with Roy. With, with Curl, yeah. Yeah. So, what did I learn Because we that? talked about it, but we didn't. When we were talking about it, you know, we were going, I think it was at the ATA, and we were going yeah, different directions. moving. And I, th- I think the biggest thing that I learned there was, there, there's a few lessons in that one. One is, we had been seeing a scrape right in that area, or like a series of scrapes right in that area for, I don't know, I don't know two or three times, trips being in there. We had noticed these big active scrapes in there and this is late season or even after season or maybe even turkey season so it's like this is an area that i want to check out and i didn't necessarily have a plan for it there was a couple of uh saddles in there i guess and i just was thinking well we'll just still hunt down this logging road it was pretty straightforward as far as going in there it was just a ridge top and the conditions that morning were really, really calm. And my thought was, if we take her real easy down this ridge top, which I don't know that I would do it exactly. Well, I definitely wouldn't do it exactly the same now, but there's a lot of risk in that too because it's a narrow ridge and you can get skylined really easily. But I kept thinking, you know, if they're rutting down in there and moving, chasing does or cruising, you're going to be able to hear them really well. And sure enough, we got to a point where we could hear down into a bowl off on our left side of the the trail and i heard something break that just was enough to make me think that couldn't have been a squirrel and we just pretty much parked it right there and from that angle you know what was head on we had a little bit of back cover we weren't really skyline from there and we didn't have a ton of cover but we were off the trail and had some grass in front of us and we sat there for probably 20 minutes and it was just getting to that point where it's like maybe that was something that it, it was you know wasn't actually a yeah. deer and sure enough that buck came across in front of well okay so just about that time it becomes apparent that this is in fact a deer because it starts coming up towards us and it goes right across this trail but just out of sight like we could probably see 20 25 yards and it you know might have been 30 32 but it was just over the drop of the trail and it went across jumped up on the the ridge and you know how sometimes on those logging roads or just even a road you drive down that'll cut through the hill yep. well the high knob was above us because the trail we were on was cut through the hill and he got up on that and just started plowing brush and at this point it's like this isn't just a deer this is definitely a buck yeah 
and he's fired up looking. And he ended up getting about even with us, and I had turned, and Roy and I had both turned, and was thinking, like, I don't know how we're going to pull this off because he's going to pop up here, look right down at us, and it was so thick up there, probably wasn't pushing an arrow through. So my thought process was as soon as he gets far enough away, we're going to cut in and get right up against that bank. That way he's not going to see us if he peeks over and he's going to have to kind of come around us. So as soon as he started working away, we jumped across the trail, got up against that bank, and I just started scraping to cover our noise because I knew he'd be able to hear us again. It's super calm. And yeah. like even us being as quiet as possible, moving from here to that camera, it was going to make some noise. So we just got set up, scraped, and immediately he started scraping back. And that was one of the coolest things I've oh, ever yeah. experienced. Just being on the ground, probably still at that point inside of 30 yards of this buck. And he's responding by doing the same action as us. And it's like, well, he's coming at some point, you know. And just the way the lay of the land was, I figured right where he ended up coming up was where he was going to be. And I didn't really think we needed a whole lot of time. It's like it's going to be super close quarters. It just makes sense for him to come to that spot. And sure enough, he, he does it. I get drawn, drew early. And really all I felt like I needed was just a split second. And he gave that to me. The problem was there was a log that was, you know, right about where you want your pin to be. And I was afraid that if I shot that I would skip it off that log and I just hesitated. And, I mean, if you watch that video, he doesn't give us but Mm-mm. one second, but that's when I was going to pull it. And I just hesitated, and it was obviously way too late then. But that log was in the way now. What I would change, and I think – just having a little bit more confidence in general of like I think I have this confidence with turkeys but I don't think I have it with deer as much and something that we've talked about especially in turkey hunting and and elk hunting is don't be afraid to move backwards like we talked about potentially could have moved back to the other side of the trail and maybe that would have given us an angle but we could have also just moved backwards and got a little bit lower to where our bow you know, it was just in camera. We're just over that rise, and he might have stepped out a little bit further. But I think from his angle, he just skylined us just enough, and we didn't have any front cover or back cover. And I think we we're just basically blobs on the trail, and it's just like I don't like it. Gone. And you were too close. Almost. Too close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because he was probably what 15 when he came out. Oh, he was eight. Eight. Yeah, he was like eight. No joke. He was right there. I mean, it, I'm talking, and and it's hard to tell from the video because. It's different. The video is always slightly different than what oh, it really yeah. looks like in yeah. real life. But it's like from from here to that wall, man. Like you don't have much thought in shooting a deer. Like I was planning on shooting him on the walk, but that log was always just right there. So when he does give us that like head turn, it's like that's when your arrow goes. Except for I just hesitated because I was not sure that I could get it through there. So a couple things learned: a trust your your hearing, use calm conditions to your advantage, and walk on areas that are quiet the other thing is don't be afraid to make a move and and make a call make calls just like you do with turkey scratching you know if you're moving turkey hunting a lot of times you're scratching to cover it same thing with the deer except we were making a scrape sound which i try to mimic as much as or as accurately as possible and then i think the last thing is just like make sure you just have enough cover which is 
it's a mistake I'll make again is not having enough cover, but still trying to think of different options in the heat of the moment, not getting so timid. I think it was like, oh, he's so close. I can't do anything. And we probably could have got away with more because it was also on that trail where we could have be pretty quiet. He was going to hear it, but I don't think it would have alarmed him necessarily. So we might well, have yeah, been able to see. drive back. Because the cut was mm-hmm. protecting you Yep, from what I saw in the video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was. And, and, you know, if you could just drop back a little bit, like I said, and be lower to where just your, just your bow and your head are poking up over that rise, and maybe it makes your shot. 20 yards, I think it makes him a little less afraid of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? could have got two or three extra seconds. Yeah, for sure, which is all you really need. Or two more steps, and he clears that log completely. And, and he's in the road with you, right? Yeah, and just then just doink, you know, probably. And in that situation, still aiming on that lower half of him if you get back to 20 yards because he's probably going to look at you, and as soon as he sees that or hears that arrow, he's probably – getting out of there so i mean those are just a few little things and that's one that you probably have to make that decision pretty freaking quick too to shoot to make that move back oh yeah yeah yeah. because like there's a point in your mind where you're like he could come right over oh, yeah. and then that from there to when he actually steps out like eight seconds uh-huh. but you better bank you know shuffle back yeah quick <laughs> well and i think i think we could have even done the scrape mm-hmm. and as soon as he started responding he wouldn't have been able to hear over his own noise, so we probably could have just shuffled back then. Yeah, but I I don't know. That's that, it's so hard to it go it, back, especially in the moment. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you did. I mean, you he did exactly what you wanted. To. Oh yeah, and like you he, holding still worked. It's just he like watching the video. I mean, I thought you had lots of patience. Yeah, <laughs> me, I would have tried to go up and over the bank. Oh, right up yeah. to him. I mean, just I, I in the video, I was like, man. And then you talk like, because you always, you don't get that twenty minutes of downtime that you're sitting there mm-hmm. and your mind's oh, yeah. running like a time and chain on a funny car, <laughs> you know. And you get to go and and you're thinking everything in the world, but you're you're here, and so you're like, I'm staying right here. Mm-hmm. It's, oh yeah, it's just that mentality. I mean, I would do the same thing, but like after a few minutes, I'm going to be going. Okay, I'm going to go towards him. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I know that it's something that we've talked a lot about over the years with turkey hunting. It's like in turkey hunting, there's this sense of less risk. I think for me, at least, it's mm-hmm. like oh, you bump a turkey, you, you might literally turn One's around. What's that? One's going to talk. Yeah, you might turn around and in two minutes be on another one. So you have this tendency to be more aggressive, but when you take those skills and you put them into deer hunting, a lot of times the same things apply. And one of the things that we've talked about, I know us three have talked about for years is, and continue to get better at is make the move when you need to. Like if you're hearing him coming, just get there. Cause if you don't get there and he sees you, you're not even in the game. If your gun's here and he's here, I mean, you might as well have the gun in the truck at that point. So it's like, just make the move and be confident that, you're going to do it. And I think obviously you want to be quiet and everything, but in that situation, it's very similar where had he started responding and scraping and we were like, okay, we got, we got 30 seconds in the grand scheme of life in the hunting world. That's quite a while. Hell yeah. 30 seconds. It doesn't take you 
but eight to get 10 yards back and tuck into the cover. And we could have done that, but uh, yeah, because c- we couldn't, I don't think there's really a situation or I haven't really considered a situation in which we moved up. The only thing that we could have done was moved over and got in the taller grass and just had somewhat of a, a haze between us and him with the grass or just move backwards and i think one thing that benefits you moving backwards is like you're calling as you move too yeah and they're that close like mm-hmm. they're gonna hear you walk at yeah. least something rustle and you know it keeps them moving in that direction whereas you can collide pretty quick doing that i mean that's definitely one thing that i've done more in the last two or three years is not worry about moving mm-hmm. as long as they can't see you as long as they can't see you if they can't see you you know and you're not going through there like a bulldozer i mm-hmm. mean they're not going they're just they're going to be alert mm-hmm. because they hear something but they're not going to just take off mm-hmm. unless right. they win you or see you mm-hmm. and turkeys and deer i've made you know after watching you all and dave and those guys move on turkeys i mean it's helped my turkey hunting exponentially mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter if the turkey's 25 yards I'm moving on him mm-hmm. as long as he can't see me. Yeah. And then that noise, as long as you're not just like hitting everything, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to bother him. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you go get another one that's right. gobbling. Right, right. You just keep on hunting and strike another one. And that's a video. And turkey. I know it's not the same with deer hunting because you, sometimes you're not going to go find that other buck, you know. But I think at the same time, if you can, if you, at least this is my belief for my mistakes a lot of times it's like if i'd have just been more aggressive and taken that moment like i can do much easier with turkeys to take a deep breath and think okay what's next which i do all the time with turkeys but i don't always do it with deer and it's just something that i'm hoping to continue to get better at because i think i guess let's put it this way you get paralyzed with deer hunting because you're afraid there's not going to be a next time and that paralyzes Mm -hmm. you and and there's going to be a next time. And ultimately, as we all get more experience, I think we always realize a little bit more that, yeah, even with the big buck, if you start pouting, I mean, Ohio, the year prior, it was the same deal. We had a extreme mishap with the old rattle, rattle the buck in and comes in and, you know, I've got my bow over here and my body's over here. Keith's laying down beautiful footage of the whole thing. And I'm, you know, again, might as well have my bow in the truck. But we had that mistake, and then we turned around, uh, what, I guess we took a day off, and then we went again, and the next day we hunted, we had another super close call, had a buck inside of five yards, and he just came in on a trail that we didn't really know existed. We totally expected him to come up and make a turn, and he kept coming this way, which appeared from our angle to be a wall of brush, but there was a trail through there, and we just misread the, the setup a little bit. And that's one that I, that one doesn't bother me as much maybe it bothers you as I think much it was just like frustrating because it was like man if we would have gone four more steps and seen that like there's a blatant trail there we could have had both of them covered mm-hmm. and had the same setup where we set up and because mm-hmm. like we heard him huge buck roar and like the thing just came crashing through to where it's like here he comes and he's like is he gonna come in front of us and then cuts beside us and it was like that was a heartbreaker on the last day too but it's also a good reminder of there was a next time right like there was oh, another yeah. mm-hmm experience where you see a big buck and it it's hard to remember that but it's just so much easier when a turkey gobbles yeah you don't have to you could just pop over the next ridge yeah 
you hear one in the no, distance. No, it is. I mean, the... it is easier. I mean, I make mistakes of being too aggressive and bumping them. And so, yeah, tell me, like, tell me some examples of that because, because on the other hand, one thing that I've said now for like two, three years in a row is like I want to get back to being more aggressive, especially when looking for big bucks. Like I want when I'm looking for big bucks. It seems like you and I, especially Keith, have had our best luck, and Ben, have had our best luck when we're just like covering ground. And when I mean aggressive, I don't necessarily mean like in the act of of hunting them. Like definitely like to be as aggressive as possible. But when finding one, I like moving. And I always do better, even if you bump one to find him, than if if you're if you're like tiptoeing around thinking, oh, we're in a really good spot. Let's tiptoe around. It's like no, we gotta go aggressive till we find the good spot. Then, then uh, you back know, off. back off or but we, you know. But then, I, I guess I want to hear your examples of being too aggressive. Well, I mean, it's the same case. If I'm covering ground <clears throat> and I bump one, like if that there doesn't tell me like he's. He's just bumping because he heard something and maybe saw some breaks or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm probably going to stay on that deer mm-hmm. and try to stay with him. Yeah. I mean, I've bumped deer and watched him run out of my eyesight at three or four or 500 yards and just say, okay, let's give it a few minutes. Let you him know, get up and over or something. Get, let him chill, get his heart rate down and... We're gonna go. We're gonna go around here and look for him again. Bam! Then that one you you stalked a couple couple years ago, maybe two years ago. Was it wasn't that a situation like that? Or I was on that deer about six hours. Yeah, tell that full story. Um, had uh, been glassing all morning, and was looking at a couple deer, deciding whether we should go after him with the the wind and the terrain where they were at. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna make a move. And uh, we'll go ahead and try it. Well, as I'm driving from a glassing knob that we have all the way around, I spotted does coming off the hill, and I and I was probably six, seven hundred yards from them, and started glassing. And then all of a sudden, the buck came across the road, and I was like, "Oh, we're going to go after this deer." It kind of changed. I said, "We can work with him," and. Uh, so when he comes across the road, there's like this bowl, and it's 10, 12 acres, this bowl is. And it's got some saplings, you know, three, four-inch trees, old reclaim. And uh, so we get up, we go, we stop right there. I said, I'm not going to go any closer. We're just going on foot. And we got up there, and we got to the berm and started looking, and the, him and two or three other bucks are running these does in this bowl. And, I mean, they're it's a pretty active morning. But it's like maybe nine o'clock um and um he runs up and over the other side of the bowl which drops into another bowl and then goes up in this just big forest golf thicket and so i'm running around was well, i'm running around that deer comes back out of that bowl <laughs> and i'm like there he is and jake's like where and i was like uh he's right in front of us like 50 yards just look bearing down on us i said he's looking dead at us well, the rut, he starts chasing. We dive back off. We go, you know, get cover with terrain. So you're basically on 
the opposite I'm on hillside. Like a, I'm on like a dike, mm-hmm. and these two bowls run off, so I got like this, like a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going back and forth on it, and we lose sight of him out on the end, and it's he, two or three hundred yards where we lose sight. And I say, he's in those trees with that doe. And Jake was like, well, let's just stay right here. He said, he's not going to go back where he came from. I said, I don't think he is. I said, I think he'll go into this thicket. But I said, he might just lay up there with that doe. And uh, I said, we're going to go up there and see. <laughs> and, uh, so we took our time and got up the hill and got up on top and got up on top. And I kind of just looked around what I could see and didn't see anything. Took one step and the doe and him jumped up 30 yards from me. So I just took off running at him. <laughs> I did yeah. because it, it it dives off that uh, other side, and I wanted to get an idea where they were going. Which direction once they yeah. got down there? So at this point they're alert. So I mean, who cares? Mm-hmm. So I run all the way out to that edge, and I'm glassing and glassing. So I I picked him him up, and what's so cool is he's running down this hill, and there's an, another buck down there like where it flattens, mm-hmm. and they just start banging. Just right off, I mean, he comes down the hill full speed, <laughs> and they're just like, ah. I mean, they're throwing knuckles, dude. And uh, I'm like, that wasn't even supposed to be a fight. Right. He's like coming through and he's like, oh, it's you again, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. And so I watched them run completely over Valley Field and leave. And Jake was like, man, that was so close. And I said, it ain't over. And I said, we're we're going again. He said, That's, a, that's he the said, mentality he said, there. Man, it's going to be tough. He said, we don't know where he's at. And I said, we'll go down there anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to – I said, that's a big valley field. I said, we can do a lot of movement in there. And uh, just got got out there to where we could see, you know, when you're looking in these hollers around here, when you can get to like a midway from the drain out to the point, mm-hmm. you can see – through the drain and the other side of the hill. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in timber here, once the leaves fall off, you can glass from, you know, timber to timber mm-hmm. in these hollers. Yep. And uh, so we got down there to a corner, and I was, I probably glassed for 30 minutes. And I'm like, where did they go? And I and it's a dry day, and I'm listening uh-huh. to see if they're running out the point maybe. And didn't hear anything, glassing, glassing. And I, and I saw a, ear flicker down in some automobiles and so i kept on looking at that spot and i was like man i'm sure that that's deer and then the doe stood up all she did was stood up turned and laid right back down in her bed like she was just adjusting mm-hmm. and once she did that he did a little head shake and he was probably 10 yards from her and i said there he is jake he's like no way i said he's bedded down too and it's like, by this time, it's 2 o'clock, um, and it's hot. It's got hot. And he's, I was like, dude, this this has become very, like, I, I knew I was going to get a shot. You know when you get yeah. that feeling? Of, oh, yeah. You know, he's bedded. He's not going anywhere. The doe's right there. And uh, so we go around to the other side of the valley field, drop down, and then we sneak around the bench above her, which is about, 50 vertical feet every bench is. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
So we get right above. Well, we, we Here's stopped a, question. a couple times. Here's a question I feel like a lot of people would have, myself included, is how, how is the wind doing and how are you reading it as far as is it a predominant wind or are you just reading a thermal pull up at that point with the heat? Well, I didn't, and I'll be completely honest with everybody, I didn't start like reading thermals probably until the last four years. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me tremendously. I thought it's, for sure you were going to say that you didn't have to ever worry about thermals because of your scent lock. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more worried about my degree antiperspirant that that's about got pine saw flavor. <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know what's crazy? This is this is the damnedest thing in the world. Is I will, I will, like, beginning of the season, I'll wash my hunting clothes. Uh-huh. And I'll wash it in some bullcrap hunting clothes wash, scent killer wash. Yep. But then I won't wash it again. Uh-huh. I mean, the threads are coming apart in the armpits and stuff <laughs> where, the, where the scent's rotting it out. And then I'll – so I'll wash my clothes in that. Uh-huh. But then I'll go get up in the morning and i just grab my degree <laughs> <laughs> and slap her on. It's like, yeah. what do you do that for, Josh? Why? Okay, so that that's my biggest worry. Or it might even be the diesel or gasoline yeah, pump. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, stand pump gas and I mean in my it, hunting it, boots I will. Yeah, it's like I But I don't is, like I don't if people would really truly went, read the wind and the and the thermals like you don't you don't need it. No. And if you if you learn them, you're going to see where the deer travel to because they're using them. Absolutely. That, that I mean, their, their whole movement patterns a lot of times are just based off in the day, within the I, day, or where, when the big eight point that I was hunting mm-hmm. there. He taught me more about thermals and where he traveled than any deer or any hunt I've been on. Well, finish, just, the, just, finish this story and just, then tell that. So, um, we stopped and looked at deer. You know, halfway out there, we crawl out there and look. He's still comfortable. You know, how far are you at this point? Two hundred. Okay. Yeah. So then we go ahead and make a rush, and uh, and then I get dead over top of him, or the best between the autumn olives to where I can see him. Mm-hmm. And I'm glassing, and I just tell J.K., "This is this is our stand. This is where we we can't get any closer. It's forty nine yards. Uh, already ranged him." Wasn't going to make that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> so I ranged me 49 yards downhill. And uh, so, uh, you know, I shoot a one pin, so I adjusted, put it dead on 50. And uh, 20 minutes later, he stands up. And so I, I'm using the autumn olive bush, and he's using the autumn olive bush for his cover. So he stands up, and, like, I pulled back. And, he's look, and he stands up and turns, and he's looking dead over the holler. And I'm like, I let it down immediately because I figured he'd be in a statue for mm-hmm. for a minute, but he wasn't. He turned right back broadside, and I pulled back. Well, then he starts walking towards that doe like he's going to get her up. So I'm I'm walking with him, and then he stops, and obviously I released. And I mean, as soon as it hit, like I oh, yeah. I melted. I mean, I knew that. And then when he ran into that sycamore tree, oh yeah, and that tree went. I said, he's dead. Oh yeah. And then you know we saw him crash and uh you know i get super stoked but it was a that hunt there that was one of the more successful like 
bumping the deer and staying with him, bumping and staying with him. And uh, what was that even? I don't know. Um, Remote. But like, <laughs> like we were legitimately on that deer for almost six hours. And when you're staying with the deer that long, I mean, but we kept on and that, that it worked out that time. Mm-hmm. I bumped a lot that didn't work out and tried to get back on them and see them again. But then, you know, maybe they didn't, you didn't let them rest enough. Mm-hmm. And so they're still on kind of alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the times that it did work out. I think the biggest thing though, too, is that you've done it. So therefore you have the confidence that it can work. And I think on top of that is you just stick with it. And even those times where 30 minutes goes by and you haven't seen him, instead of getting again, pissed off and walking back, you just are like, the hell, we'll sit here all day if it takes that. Just That's right. sit there and keep looking, keep looking. And I think that never giving up in those situations, especially during the rut, man, like, that that's what's so key about it too is just because you didn't get him that first time if you know which direction he's going and and you can get a lot of good visual area like just keep looking keep trying and i think it's hard it's just a hard thing to overcome because it's easy to be like well i'm wasting time looking for something that i've already ruined but well, even reality, even if you hadn't ruined it and the deer wasn't there you just can't give up looking right because you know there's if you, now you can't hunt a place there's no deer right you got to be in a place that there's deer. But if a hot doe just ran into that bowl, yeah, but if there's going to be another one in there. You that's know. right. I know there was more than one. So the bucks are coming. Right. They're going. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's ninety degrees out. Oh yeah. They're going. They're going to run. Mm-hmm. And but even if we had got out there, and it got up, like I said, I think it was around eighty degrees that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked. Hot. I would. I wouldn't have. <laughs> But even if I wouldn't have been seeing deer, I would have stayed in glassed mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that same spot, but I would have went to another spot. And it's the same thing with turkey hunters. If they don't go out and hear anything off the roost, they go, hey, let's go back on warm leg. Mm-hmm. You know, I miss Betty. <laughs> you know, same thing with deer hunting. Just because you don't see nothing doesn't mean that they're not there. Yeah. you got to keep looking mm-hmm. and just have the mentality that, hey, I'm here to hunt. Right. You know, I'm not gonna cut myself short just because i'm not seeing nothing yeah because there are plenty of days i go out and don't see no deer oh yeah you know yeah i think that it's just interesting to uh to be able to hang with them though after all those years of not believing that it could be done like i think back to when i was a kid and it's like you bump a deer and you imagine him just vanishing well he doesn't vanish he goes somewhere his body actually still exists somewhere probably not that far from where you just saw him and i just think it's really funny that we used to just consider it completely over and he's just gone gone and i think about how hard of a mental hurdle that is when you've never done it before like the very first time i did it or heard my buddies doing it it's like it doesn't feel like it could even be real but you you keep going in the direction he went and like darn good chance you're gonna find me well i mean it's the the, uh the the big eight point i killed Uh the first time you you sent a message Mm -hmm. uh i was on that deer two days before and then i was on that deer the whole morning from daylight until noon 
the morning, mm-hmm. the day I killed him, mm-hmm. I was on that deer and stayed with him five or six hours mm-hmm. once we spotted him. And then kind of lost him in his bedding, but saw him going into the bedding. Didn't really know where he was at. And then we went back, and I, hell, I took a nap. Um, gathered myself, ate, and Jay was like, what do you want to do? I said, we're going into that bedding area. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? I said, we're going to march dead in there and find this deer. And the thing about it was when they did it, we didn't go 50 yards, and he he didn't see us. You know, we were in ghillie suits, but he popped right out of his bed because he heard something coming. And we watched him, and I was like, there he is. <laughs> and he walked away from us, and Jay was like, man. I was like, we're going with him. Yeah. We're going towards him, you know. And then after that hunt, I was like, man, just do it. Just yeah. go. I, I think it's funny because uh, I can still remember exactly – Everything about that day when I first watched that video, no joke. It's like because it, because it kind of marks the beginning stages of our friendship, mm-hmm. really. Because I was sitting at Whitney's place, back at her old place, and I was sitting at the table, and I had been working, and you know, sure enough, getting distracted watching some YouTube, and I somehow stumbled across that video. You know, just was not I don't know somehow, but I like, you know, especially that would have came out in season or was it in the summer it was in season in season yeah. so for whatever reason i pull up a video and like i don't watch a ton of videos i get distracted a lot but i don't always watch videos to get distracted but for whatever reason i f- came across it watched it and i was just like dude that is the type of content i want to be watching and i immediately just like yeah. got on instagram or something and was just like yo this was i remember kirk awesome. <laughs> he said dude he said Zach from THP, man, sent us a message, sent you a message. You need to get on there and respond. I said, who's that? <laughs> I did because I never watched YouTube. You know, I wasn't a YouTuber. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but then I got on. He said, you need to check them out. He said, they started last fall. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, and then you sent that message. I'd send it back. And I think we'd talk maybe after season. Yeah. And saw each other at ATA. Yeah. So, been going since five years. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's just awesome. But yeah, I, I feel like it's awesome when you can watch the same style that you like and watch other people's take on it because you can always pull something from that. And one thing that you mentioned that I was curious about is listening because I feel like as I hunt deer on the ground more, I'm incorporating the strategy of listening and i know that like sounds so goofy and i think for for somebody that hunts in a setup a lot whether that's a ground setup or a tree setup like there's a certain point of like what what how important really is listening if you can get a visual especially if you will have the safety of being in a really good setup or in a tree like listening isn't as important yeah it can help you get ready but like when you're on the ground you're in this spectrum. Yeah. Or the, this spectrum if you're up high. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to probably see before you hear. Right. Or a lot of times it's it's going to be. I, I, hear, I hear them running over here. They're, they're coming our way. Mm-hmm. They're definitely coming. Yep. You know. But I, I just, man, I, I have got so much better at being in tune. Or I, or I feel that I've gotten better at being in tune. And just those subtle little sounds, man. You know, deer are really good at being really quiet. And there's a lot of times where they're as quiet as a bird 
you know, flapping around in the brush. But they're like little cues that you can pick up on. But on the other hand, in some situations, like some of the bigger timber hunts that we've been on, and you know, obviously in West Virginia, there's tons of it. Those really dry 80 degree days in November where the leaf matters like this tall. It's like the world's exploding. And it's like, that's such a good cue. Do you have any good examples of like how that's tipped you off to, to make moves or like just even if you don't get a visual? You don't need a visual. Yeah. In November. Especially, I mean, like noise here just rattles mm-hmm. where it's steep and short. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like tight. Yeah, tight. Like from point to point, mm-hmm. from holler to holler, you yep. know, through the drains, or uh, so. I mean, I've heard deer running and just gone over the hill, mm-hmm. and you might not see them, but most of the time, if they're running in November, they're going to come back through mm-hmm. the area mm-hmm. that you've heard them running, in. especially if it's middle of the day. Yeah. Right? So we jumped right over the hill and gone down the mountain and said, "Okay, let's sit here for an hour." Mm-hmm. And most of the time, that deer will come back through, or there's going to be other bucks that just are cross-checking that and hit that track, mm-hmm. and they're coming too because that doe's hot. Mm-hmm. So you're going, you know, there's a real good chance of a sighting. And it, like noise here, I love it because mm-hmm. it, even with turkeys, you can just hear them, mm-hmm. you know, they're just dragging through there, and you can hear them all the way across the holler. Oh yeah. Especially, especially oh, deer yeah. when they're chasing. When they're deer chasing or deer fighting, like fights. I've not seen a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. You've heard like, them. Oh, <laughs> gangbusters, man. <laughs> Sound like they're just breaking breaking themselves up. Oh, yeah. And you just know. And like we've got, like up here, mm-hmm. where you all turkey hunting, mm-hmm. a buddy of mine were hunting, and we heard it through the timber. And through like a contour section of grass where they mine, and over in in the holler, I mean they were just get, instantly. We both looked at each other, just took off running straight to them, and we'd stop like fifty yards. Oh yeah, they're still fighting. Run. That, that's fine. Stop. Still fighting, and you can hear them over in the brush. Run, and then when you get down there to them, and then it's like on you. Then you you know you still got to get over the berm to get looking the timber, and we ended up bumping those deer. They were done with their fight, but they had started on the berm, and you could see it. it they just tore everything up going down that Everything's mound. Turned up yeah. upside down, basically. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, Jeez. I mean, but like we were just like instant go. Yeah, and that's one of those things, in my opinion. You like you don't have time to talk about it. You yeah. don't have time to think about it. It's like. And I feel like I try to cover that in a lot of different situations. It's like, hey, if we ever hear bucks fighting, by That's the right. way, we're yeah. running yes. right now. Yeah. Like, don't, let's not think, let's just do. Hey, this might be dead, actually. I might have to change that real quick. I thought I saw it blinking. And that's GoPro. But, like, I've had times, like, they picked up killer angles. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, when they work, it's great. Yeah, like, I had one on the camera for Zach's. He was when he we got up to go after turkey right before one o'clock. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you're gonna have to move. We're gonna have to like try to stalk this thing if you want to get a shot. Mm-hmm. And when we were in the booger woods, and I was like, we have to try because like we wasted the whole morning if we don't get a chance. Uh-huh. And so I'm 
we go and all of a sudden we see the turkey running at us and i'm down filming the turkey zoomed in coming in and i'm pulling back but the gopro up on the camera got zach like going to his knees getting his gun up so it was good but other times i get pissed off like oh, they just, uh, are you guys hearing that clicking is that coming off of yours it's hitting the steel in my chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's just hitting the steel on my chest. Yeah, Zach starts flapping. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, looks like Ronnie Coleman up here. Yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, Al, absolutely. Oh, Jack, that I know yeah. about all Ronnie Coleman. Not, <laughs> but enough about my superb physique. Physique. <laughs> Let's get on with the storytelling. <laughs> yeah. What were we telling stories about at that point when when the GoPro uh, actually went dead on us? Uh, it was the bucks that went over the hill. Oh yeah, they were yeah, fighting. Yeah. Oh yeah, them. and we were we were we ran after them, but you know didn't get on them. But we were close. I so mean, you ended up spooking them, or yeah. By the time we got down there, they had come apart and was kind of you know they're still in the stare down, checking each other, and but they heard us coming up over the berm. So they got to looking up. And so they're all like, hey, what's that? And then, you know, we pop up and you're 100% skyline. No matter, you know, you can go up like a worm. And mm-hmm. when they see that mound come over, they're just like, and then they were buggered and mm-hmm. split and ran. And then once they got down there, big timber, you know, we heard them run, listening. Mm-hmm. They ran and ran until we couldn't hear them run anymore. They never stopped. So we didn't go after them. What about skyline? Like, I feel like that's something that I hope to continue to get better at for forever because it's such an easy thing to mess up. And we were talking about it a little bit, Ben. We were talking about elk hunting earlier today. But to me, there's just so many times where it seems like it makes the most sense to go over the top. But with deer especially, it's actually easier to get away with it with turkeys because I think turkeys must see just right here on their plane on their plane so it's easier to pop up over a turkey and because it's been so easy with turkeys i've tried to do it for so long with deer and all of a sudden i'm realizing it's like man i'm wasting a lot of time i mean it's kind of been our our whole big like multi-year lesson and joke of how bad we mess up okay on mistakes but i mean is it it well, let me you finish, and then well, I'll ask, you, I'll say, ask you a on, question about that. On mistakes, on that topic, a big mistake that we kind of finally nailed down. We knew we were making a mistake, but we really didn't even know how to describe it or or adjust it. And I think, in a nutshell, it's we were getting skylined in a lot of situations because we would pick a betting location. We would guess it accurately at least to where there was a deer in there. Not always confirming it was a buck. Sometimes confirming it was a buck, but not always. And we would just come right over the top of it and we would just get skylined. And it's like, it just seems like a bonehead mistake now when you realize it. So one adjustment that 
hunting hill country that I really want to make is if I'm feeling really confident based off of sign or having visual the day before or earlier that day, and I'm moving in on a spot, I want to try to come in on it, obviously with the wind in your favor first, but come in on the side hill and come in with terrain between you and him, or not terrain between you and him as much as terrain behind you. Or, like, let's say, for example... To where you you, you have a backdrop. You have a backdrop. Yeah, to so, where you can stop, glass, okay, I can move again. Think about how when you're standing up on that, up above a bench, and you look down there, how easy it is to see deer. So, ultimately, you try to put yourself in those positions. But when you put yourself in those positions, if you have no backdrop and they're below you, they look up and it's like... There's nothing there. And like you said, you could crawl up there and just barely be peeking your eyes over. But we started making the joke. It's like they see the button of your hat popping over and they're gone. And it's true. Like deer are really good at seeing that because as soon as they hear something, they start looking up there. Well, that's, that's, so it's not really you're making a mistake because that's, that's my opinion about skylining yourself. You're putting them alert because they hear you. Yep. And then they're looking and then they go, oh, there's there's something right there i'm out yeah so it, it was the sneak in yeah it's most likely bumping them but even then i mean i feel like there's been times where we've done it i mean i'm talking dude we're not making any noise we're on walked dirt on a log, yeah know, walked on a log up over top and boom mm-hmm. as soon as your head hits that it, i think i always crawl to a tree mm-hmm. if i'm skyline i say okay there's a 30 inch oak or sycamore or whatever's right there I'm going to go back over mm-hmm. and go down, mm-hmm. and I'm coming up at that tree. I think that's a and great then I, strategy. I stay at the tree roots and glass as much as possible mm-hmm. before I look by around the tree. It's like Because I think that alerting them, mm-hmm. and they're looking already, mm-hmm. and I think that the sound puts them on alert i don't think you bump as many skyline because i honestly don't if they see you up there standing and you're not moving they don't hear you mm-hmm. they're not going to see you they're going right. to see a stump right or whatever i think that i don't think deer can see you mm-hmm. i think they can see if you're standing there and nothing's changed when they look and you're looking at them i think they're comfortable but i think as soon as you get a mosquito bite and you go like this oh yeah and these different light shades are here now i think that they see light moments mm-hmm. and they go that wasn't there i think there's a big difference also about the pop-up over or at an angle to where you're like making the movement to where they can see the break this way rather than something just going like this mm-hmm. yeah definitely like if you make that because cross move because if you're crossing you're doing they're not flash. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, yeah. It's it, it's like semi. You're sitting there, and it's light, 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 light. Mm-hmm. And there's something breaking that up. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, that's how I, like when I'm moving or whatever, like I try to keep my my shadows and lights from popping. Because I really think that that's what alerts deer. Because a deer be like this. And I'm telling you, they'll get, they won't hear anything, but they'll see a flash. And they're like, bam. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that's how deer see. It's not necessarily they see you, but they see these flashes of light. Mm-hmm. Even when people are in saddles or tree stands, mm-hmm. elevated, the deer Especially ain't. Especially then. Yeah. 
they're not seeing you. They're just seeing some they're change. They're seeing something, some change yeah. in light. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how... We get busted all the time. Everybody gets busted. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily, oh, yeah, that deer saw me and took off running. Wait, well, dude, you were 80 yards from him. Here, this plays into the light thing. Yeah. Because I, I view this as similar to getting um, skyline, but it's almost like getting uh, that flash, that light change. It's very similar. So picture the setting, because I've been picturing this a lot as I've been walking around their parents place if you get into a deer bed in the middle of the woods for example and especially right now in the summer but but it's all the same still even in the fall but it's amplified right now you're down in the shadows in the thicket and there's a canopy over you and there's logs down and the buck tucks down into that bed and he's completely surrounded so to look in there you gotta really pick it apart and from your perspective on the outside of that shadow you have to get, you can't do it with your naked eye. You have to have, unless you've got better eyesight than me at least, I've got to have binos to see in there. And i got to like really get everything perfect. And I'm looking for the tiniest little things because when he's in there, he can see out of it, but you can't see in. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Have you ever went to that bed and then looked back exactly. and seen how clear it is Exactly. when you're struggling to look in? And when you're walking down an edge, for example, and you're on the sunlight edge, like, let's say, just simply put, there's a small woodlot, very small, like two acres. If he's in the middle of that, and you're walking around the perimeter, and it's flat, and on the outside, it's sunshine hitting that, and then there, it's shadow, you're just wham, 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 wham. I mean, he's out of there, or he's just going to hang tight until you start to commit his direction. And I just think about that as being very similar to Skyline. So when you come up to a cover type, it's also important to keep in mind, like, what is behind me right now? If it's just straight sunlight, I'm going to get skylined or, I don't know, what do you, would you even call that? You're, you're, you're just going to start making that flash. You're yeah. Make that. I agree with that 100%. It's like you're better off to always be going towards the objective. A target spot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And put things between you and the animal, too. Like, that's one of the, uh, really, the, the most helpful things in a stalking situation is if you've got stuff to put between you and him like i think back to so many times where we've made stalks and it's like you get as many things between you and him as possible and there's obviously so many little details like yeah you want the clearest path but you want stuff between you and him you want front cover you want back cover but you also got to be quiet so there's always a balance in all those things but it's like if if you got blast and wind and you've got like five trees to put between you and him. I mean, you could walk to the thing. I mean, you don't even have to get down and crawl in a lot of situations. As long as those trees or that cover that you choose your path, I think the, and I've made the mistake umpteen times, but in your path, you need to be saying, can I shoot from there? Yeah. Can I shoot from here? Mm. Can I shoot from here? Yeah. Because you might say, oh, that bush right there, I can go out there and Hell, I can use the bathroom on this stalk. Yeah. Well, you might be able to go out there and have all the activity, work out, do some push-ups, whatever. He ain't going to see you, but you ain't going to shoot him from there either. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So go to cover that you can shoot from. And then if you get to a point that you say, hey, I can probably shoot from there, if you have the time, you better wave your bow around, mm-hmm. up and down. And if you even have time, pull back 
just to make sure that you're going to the right cover to let you have an opportunity to shoot. Doesn't matter how close you get to him if you can't shoot. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for cover in my head that I can say, okay, if I go to that tree, yeah, I can shoot around that tree. Or if I go to that autumn olive, you know, I need to go to this side of the autumn olive. Mm -hmm. Or what, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're in little spruces and firs, uh, you just have to, you, am I making sense? Oh, yeah, I completely yeah. agree. It makes total don't put sense. Your, don't to, put yourself in the thickest cover and yeah, not be just able to get a shot cover. in the yeah, yeah. What, what, mm -hmm. what, Or lose sight of it. Or lose sight of it. Yeah. You know, that's the hardest thing. If you lose sight of one when you're on the ground with them, I mean, you're in for a doozy of mm -hmm. getting your patience tested. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because you're just going to go insane thinking, is he even there anymore? Yeah, and then the next thing you know, you, you take a step and bam, he's leaving your life. I, you I, know, I, so I always want to go to cover – that I can shoot from. I made that mistake on hunting. Ben and I had it uh, mom and dad's place back at home. Um, we were in the corn one year. And it was just like November 5th. Windy, overcast day, just like walking through the Prime corn. Prime time, yeah. Ohio. <laughs> November 5th. <laughs> Beautiful day. Standing corn. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, in farm country. Ohio. We got to this spot to where we're, we're like, we pretty much know there's going to be, there's deer bedded in this spot. Um, and me and Ben like split up and he was filming and uh I think Ben rattled and I, I had like put my hand up to like give him a signal of just like yeah go ahead and rattle like I'm set up and as soon as he's like starts doing it my hands up I see like two bucks coming out like popping out on the field edge and I like drop my hand down and they go out in the corn and they hear like the ruckus and I grunted to them and I can hear this one just like swing around and start coming right through the corn at me, just like breaking corn stalks and comes to like three yards and I'm drawn to the point to where, and I draw, lift up and there's like this entire tree branch. And as I'm lifting to like where I need to get it to, it just like catches my stabilizer and then the other branch is just like right in front of the arrow. And I'm just like, I can't even let the arrow go or it like wouldn't even come out of the bow. And I'm sitting there with like a buck head on it, like here to the wall. Yeah. You didn't just, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one where I was like, oh, if I would have known that I could, like, he's just in the corn walking, like, he doesn't see me until he pops right out at three yards. I should have just, like, drawn and known that I had that or just break the stick. You're saying, it was like, gonna practice be there. draw beforehand. Yeah, or I just, don't like, get a lot look of, at, yeah, I, mean, I just didn't even look. I, I froze at that point. It's just like, it's going to happen. Here it is. And I didn't yeah. look at immediate surrounding right there. It's, um, I think it's, once you get close and you're saying, I could shoot him from here there, it's very hard to pull back and test. But, like, if you're trying to intercept one or ambush one, then you can check everything. So it's situational. But I definitely, like, I take my bow and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be here. You know, how much, mm -hmm. what is my spectrum of shooting? I've just even got to a point where I don't go all the way to cover. Like, for example, if we're using, like, the tripods as cover where the cameras are, I just have got to a point where, you know, I kind of know that distance where my arm's going to stick out from where my knees are on the ground or yeah. I'm crouched or where my feet are. It's like you're constantly thinking of, okay, for example, if we're if we're good with cover here and we're sitting here and we're watching and we're listening, but we know we want to move up to that next tree. It's like as soon as that wind blows, we're going to move up here to this to this cover, but it's like before you even get there, you've got an idea of where you can shoot. And anywhere in between that, 
where can I shoot? If he starts coming this way, can I get down and use that tripod as cover? If I move up and he starts coming that way, can I slide and get, you know, kind of behind that tripod and get a shot through there? And it's like you're visualizing your shooting lanes, where your bow arm is going to be, how much stuff is between you, can you stand up, or are you going to get into the tree branches? I mean, there's like all those little things. If you start to visualize them, it helps you get like a oh, little give, bit more opportunity. That's, yeah, it will help your opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in Ohio and uh, public land. Went in there, me and a buddy of mine, right off the bat, saw a big 10-point chasing does. We were five, 600 yards from him. Dropped off the hill, went around, got up there in the vicinity where he was at, and we saw him going up the ridge away from us. And so we just, I was like, you know, I'm going back and forth whether I should go more in the timber because I was in this like CRP stuff and like there was a woodlot with me that was maybe 30 by 50. I mean there was hardly any wood but but we watched that deer go away and he went up and over the ridge and he was like what do you want to do and I was like let's just give it a minute and just see before we go in there blowing him out and uh well then we hear him run back over the ridge and then he go back and they were running all along that hillside. And uh, I told Nate, I said, I said, won't you rattle some down here in this timber and just see, see what'll happen? And he said, okay. So he stepped back maybe 10 foot down the hill. Man, he rattled, I mean, hard. And then he ran back up to get on the camera. And I said, that deer's coming off the hillside over there. I said, I think it's him. And it couldn't hardly see, but I'm sitting there glassing, and all of a sudden I get a glimpse of horn. I was like, he's coming. And he's like 200 yards. Well, I go up, and I get tight against this Doug, little Douglas fir. And I'm in it, and I was like, this is so killer. I'm so covered. You know, I'm in, in the – I've got my left hand, so I've got my body in the branches there on the end. All I saw was – 30 yards across this little dike, it was grass, and then a bowl, and he's coming through. He's already dropped our level, and he's dropped into the bowl, and I can hear him walking. And, uh, man, he just, and I see his horns. I said, there he is, Nate, there he is. He comes out 10 yards to my right, turns broadside, walks dead in front of me. And as he's coming, he stops, and he looks back, and I went, and it went, ting, and I hit it. I hit an autumn olive branch over, over me, oh. and that deer, like, no chance. I never even got the full draw. He was gone. He jumped right back over in that ravine he came from, and I was like, never again <laughs> will this happen. So now, like, I don't even care how. If I get to a spot like where I'm going to cover, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm making sure I, I might not even move my bow but in my head i'm looking yeah and then i carry like i always carry snips with me in my turkey vest to snip something that might hang up the shotgun yeah now i carry snips in my sheath mm-hmm. and i'll sit there and clip branches that might keep me from shooting yeah because of that mistake yeah and, and like i have 
made enough mistakes. Like, this isn't something I just woke up and started doing. Like, it's it always comes back to that mistake aspect of it. But when you get to a spot and you're going to set up and you're going to commit even five minutes to it. Like, let's say we got a really calm night and we're sneaking through a creek bottom. And we look up ahead and it's like, dude, there's a big rub crossing right there. Let's give it five minutes here, even if you're planning on continuing to move. It's dead calm. If you're not hearing a deer and you've got to that point, you've made all those moves, draw. Like, there's not one right here, right now. Draw the bow. And, like, I know that I've about got to the point where I'm a, a pest because I'm just, like, constantly, like, practice draw when I'm with <laughs> other people. Like, just draw. You, you want to. If, because you, if you have the time, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, like, you might as well because what 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 are you out? by drawing especially if you've spent a bunch of time getting into a spot and you've moved the whole way there i'm not saying start like necessarily like you know if you're trying to sneak into a spot you you don't want to let your guard down and get way crazy but it's like practice draw see what you can get away with see then another thing that i started doing a few years ago and i thought that uh originally that it would really help to shoot a super short bow like i started with the chiax and then i went to the one that you're shooting and um those bows were 28 and a half inches and that is like helpful i think but even with a 32 inch bow axle to axle i've been doing it just fine is i draw with the arrow right here it's pointed like if i were to accidentally release it's going right there so like a lot of times i did it when we were groundhog hunting the other night the reason I'm doing that is my whole movement is behind front cover a lot of times. Now, obviously, if you got no front cover and you're depending on back cover, which hopefully you're not doing that in most situations, but if you got a little bit of front cover, you can keep all that movement below. And it's the one thing you can't see in that uh, North Dakota video. You can't see it in the New York video, but I remember specifically both of those. Those deer were just tall enough in the brush that from my low position i could just see their antler tips i, I couldn't remember actually the one see North Dakota their because you were kind of you all were tucked below that that deer and unfortunately the gopro had died so we didn't have any of the you know footage from back here which jake nailed it and got a bunch of really cool footage of that buck obviously but the one thing that you hear me drawing you hear me talking with jake and I'm like, should I draw? And it's not because, it's not even really because I'm thinking that I can't, I can see him. I guess that's important. I was, but I was low enough that I could see his antlers. And it's like, well, should I draw and just shoot him right in the chest? And it's like, eh. But I drew one time and I let down in the middle of all that. And then I drew again, but I'm doing all that movement. Meanwhile, that buck's doing this right at us. And it's, you know when you're watching it's like how would you ever get away with the movement well you're just doing this and a lot of times too it's my head's up so i'm watching him and that's kind of the importance of having control of your bow right like you don't want to over draw weight yourself because you want to be in these positions where you can do this i mean even it doesn't matter if you're on the ground or in a tree like being able to draw like that to me is really important because it keeps your movement minimal and not erratic and it's like, if you get that bow drawn like this and he can't see it, and you're just waiting, a lot of times, too, I'll just bring it, anchor it, but my eyes are still fixed here. 
I'm anchored as far as like where everything is ready to shoot. And then I just bring my eyes, you know, bring the bow up to my eyes and then boom. Because like if you watch that again, the North Dakota one, it's like I shot really fast, like almost in an instant. But it's like everything's anchored. My eyes are on the spot I want to shoot. So then the bow just goes to my eyes, if that makes sense. And I think that's something that was just a over time learned thing by practice drawing on live deer, you know can't necessarily think of a, a time that's like oh i didn't do that and i got busted but i definitely think that uh practice drawing on deer too is another really great tool to you know help your confidence in those situations because i'll tell you the one thing about hunting and it, it, it's it's th- at least for me is when your heart rate starts going up things get sloppy when your adrenaline's rushing, your brain is just like soup. But if you can just dumb it down in the moment and just try to be patient, it goes all the way back to that very initial story I told of like, in the moment, if I could have, you know, got my brain, everything. <laughs> yeah, if I could have got my brain out of the soup, I probably could have taken a deep breath and and went back a little bit. But it's like in the heat of the moment when the deer is doing stuff and it seems like it's all over. If you can keep that composure and dumb everything down and you've done the things like practice draw you've made sure that you know you have enough room between you and the cover you know where arrow clearances things like that you're able to not you don't there's not little things you got to think about in the moment you just go and do it i guess if that makes sense it's like it just becomes much more natural because your brain's not necessarily going to be like oh i gotta you know Ooh, I gotta really make sure that I get over this this stuff because you're just rattled, man. I mean, tell that story of you. Which one? Well, I don't know. Whatever <laughs> one you want. Which one? Which which one that I shot? Something in front of me. Do, uh, do you have more than one? The shotgun, my first one. Yep. The turkey, mm-hmm. and the deer with the bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell. Probably more than that. Tell. Do tell, please. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time was. With, I think it was a shotgun, 20-gauge probably. Mm-hmm. And I just had a fence three, I don't know, not even a yard in front of me. And just looking through the scope, never even considered that that was a thing. You know, I'm like mm-hmm. 10 years old. And and didn't you hit it? Like I think that would have been my first buck too. Yeah. Yeah, and just shot and then like the thing just runs off. And I'm like, you know, I was right on its chest at 30 yards. But the fence was just folded back <laughs> i remember you telling me about that right so I'm after sure the slug just you know exploded uh-huh. and then with the bow very close to that actually same fence row really no i think about it <laughs> so that one with the shotgun was up close to the house too yeah that, really? that, that same like literally like 30 yards east of that no so then i'm same deal i was on the ground with the bow and had a buck had moved in made this cool move you know seen him coming in he made a scrape and then just like, it was one of those where I was ready for him to do a 30-yard move, and then he just made the scrape, and all of a sudden he's coming, like, right at me. And I'm already back, and, like, that's not the route that I thought he was going to do at all, and he just closed the ground fast, and it was, like, probably less than 10 yards. And he, I just shot him moving through the through the gap, but I, there was, like, all this debris to my right that I didn't even take account for. And as I swung, it was just like, and he just kind of, like, jumps back and looks looks around and i was like what the hell <laughs> the arrow was like right in front of his feet barely made uh, it to him just like just rattled through the, the brush the stuff in front yeah just like rattled through the brush and then shot into the ground 
and then he like bounded back and it was like you know 60 and out and he was gone but what could you have done differently in that situation just shot him at the scrape <laughs> it was like it was like i drew and then he hit the scrape and then he started coming at me and then there's basically like was two trees and i had to let him get through those mm -hmm. and by the time he did he was already so close that i'd already swung a lot i guess just rising up more too mm -hmm. like as he went through those two trees i should have just risen up and give myself a little clearance but being conscious of the stuff in front of me would have been a good start yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah when was that one probably like 2018 yeah i was gonna say let's not i, I forgot that you shot ago. at that one well maybe he like, didn't tell you no i feel like <laughs> you, you, as you're saying it i was that like was wait Keith, this was, was your big shooter dude yeah <laughs> i was like yeah this was recently wasn't it I was, I was trying to think of it i forgot about that it's always funny if if everybody <laughs> like listening i feel like i call know. zach yeah instantly i'm just like man i freaked up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many funny ones over the years but i mean i do the same thing to ben it's 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 just you know you, you make those mistakes and it just happens but i think i guess along those lines of the rise up thing that's another one that i really started doing a few years ago is like if you're reading the antlers, there's a certain turn of the antlers that it's like, well, his eyes are far enough this way that you can get away with a lot. Or, you know, like you had mentioned, as he's going behind trees, as soon as his eyes go. And I generally try to not be too erratic. But, like, actually, I did it with the elk as well mm -hmm. um, this past mm -hmm. elk season. Um, elk's coming in, and I drew. And I was standing, like, back against, like, if, you, if your body is, like, uh, some small shrubby pines... I drew like this, and then once he went, and I could see him kind of get behind that Darting tree, I just went and got fully upright, which I think also helps your form a little bit. Not to say that at 15, 20 yards or whatever, you can't shoot leaning back or in an awkward position, but it's like, to me too, well, I mean, when you're going to shoot the best is when you're sitting up straight just like you're standing in the yard, which is probably 90% of everybody's shots are just like standing perfectly, you know, perfect form. And I think that if you can put yourself into that position, even if you're on your knees or, you know, better yet, a couple of them I've had where I've just stood all the way up because they're looking the other direction. But I mean, just being aware of how you can make that move yeah. yeah. when you get into that position, just like having that because you know, I got in there and that was how I was going to be set. Mm -hmm. But it, I didn't even think about, am I able to get up on my toes and, you know, stand up if he goes behind the fence or at 38, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just, yeah, you learn from those. You got any other <laughs> good learn ones? Learn from all any of them. other good ones of like in the, in the heat of the battle, like getting that shot off. Cause I feel like that's such a topic that I don't know, man. You could just go being like days. Josh said, being aware of how how much you can move yeah. when they don't have eyes on you. Mm -hmm. The and one just that and not being like that's I guess a lot of mistakes where I've just like slowly mo been moving, and then by the time they're there, I'm still just like oh, <laughs> the, <laughs> instead uh, of just being yeah, like with the turkey he goes put the head behind the tree. Yeah, don't mess move around. the gun. Yeah. and it's like same thing with the deer with the bow, but it's a hard thing to. Because it's like, oh, he's kind of coming towards me, and his eyes kind of facing me, and you're just like, because I, I definitely have got timid like that a lot. Um, the one that we've deemed veteran, the one I shot, um, 
Ohio public land. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, broken off three point. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben and I were we were just creeping through um, some reclaimed stuff and uh, bumped some beer, some deer off to our right and just heard some crashing and stuff. Um, immediately just grunted and got on a trail. It was the only trail that went into this like insane thicket, just autumn olive and pine, like young pine stuff. And uh, when the wind was like good for us, so we just grunted, made a noise, and got to the only place they could come out. And it was just like immediately we could hear one circle back around and like footsteps just coming at us. And it was just like I'm just gonna draw because like you know that's the only trail the thing's gonna come in. And like he's probably already within 30 yards at the point you're drawing, but there's just so much stuff there that you can. We it was just like oh let's just get to our spot and like draw back and then start seeing feet. And could just see body and enough antler for me to shoot on that one <laughs> <laughs> and that was a sweet mm-hmm. right, yeah that was the right first through the front first frontal shot that i'd taken on that one they're Better deadly they. ain't they oh. yeah oh yeah we could talk about frontal shots all yeah. day you get some attention <laughs> mm-hmm. we could cut this one and start another one to start talking frontal shots i'd love to all right perfect <laughs> all right well that was kind of a long-winded uh mistakes segment but storytelling yeah it was ultimately just a bunch of storytelling and we're gonna have that's podcasting i like (laughs) i like hearing them and telling them i couldn't agree more (laughs) i think that uh we're gonna try to record some more and if you're watching this now there's gonna be more with josh and it may not be next week it might not be right away but there's gonna be more with josh there's always gonna be more with josh so (laughs) thanks for watching thanks for listening and uh We'll see you another time. Now cut it and let's get to work.